You think you own me, but you don't. You think you can destroy me, you can't. Your labels do not contain me. Your lies do not intimidate me. I will not be less than what I was created to be, and I will not run in fear. Time and time again, you've held me down, but not today. Today, I win the battle. Today, you run from me, because I am strong. I am courageous. I am an overcomer. Some power there, right? Reminds me of the passage that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-control. Hey, welcome to Amazing Love. This is the second week of our series, Overcomers. And today we're going to talk about overcoming apathy. And what I recognize in this world is that people care about a lot of things. For instance, I had a conversation recently with a man who cares about stray cats. It's telling me that the average stray cat lives three to five years, whereas a house cat can live 15 to 18 years. I could tell he couldn't handle this idea that that stray cats were out there having needs and not getting those needs met. And he wouldn't let me tell me how, how many he actually brought into his house, but I got the notion it was quite a few stray cats. He was passionate over these animals in need. Our society is passionate over animals in need. In fact, uh, when it comes to dogs, does anyone have a dog that came from a shelter? Yeah, you know what we're talking about. There's passion for animals, isn't there? We're not just concerned about animals, though. We're concerned about sports, right? We are. Uh, We we spend a lot of energy, a lot of time there, um, and and we are concerned about the Bears' new head coach, right? Matt Nagy, is he the one? Is he going to bring us to the glory that that 85 was? I I don't know. I'm concerned about the Cubs. What's going to happen to Jake Arrieta? We just sealed Kyle Hendricks and got Chris Bryant, who is the franchise, right? But but what's going to go on with them? I'm concerned, man. We're concerned about the stock market. Anyone look at 2017? Was it a good year? I hear it was in general, right? Or the company Sears, right? You know, is Sears going to make it? I mean, they're holding out a few Chicago stores, but man, are they closing a bunch. We're, we're concerned about entertainment. JT, Justin Timberlake, my bud, my friend, he's got a new CD coming out. I want to like his new song, but the want of the new song is stronger than the song itself. Sorry. We're concerned about the Golden Globes and who won and, and who's going to win the Oscar because the Oscars are coming up. And this is the world we live in and, and we got concern, we got care, but, but maybe, maybe there are things that we are woefully unconcerned about. Things that we should care about that we don't really care about. For instance, have you heard about what's going on in the country of Yemen? Anyone? In Saudi Arabia, there's a battle going on, and and the Saudis have uh, hindered a port in Yemen, and Yemen is already one of the poorest countries in that part of the world. And the Chicago Tribune reported that in 2017, just in November, 50,000 children starved to death. 50,000 children in Yemen. Chicago Tribune went on to report this and said, 
The UN officials said more than 20 million people, including 11 million children, are in need of urgent assistance, with 7 million totally dependent on the food assistance. The UN has called it the worst humanity crisis in the world. But have you heard about it? And are you concerned? And then every now and then I'm struck by the, not just the world things that maybe I should be more concerned about, but the personal things in my own life. I'm in Financial Peace University, and Dave Ramsey, if you ever know him, he's got these steps, right? And these steps make me kind of freak out because I'm not doing the steps. College funding? What? I just paid my student loan off. <laughs> to save for someone else's? Oh my goodness. Right? And then there are health matters, right? Because I operate saying, if I feel okay, I must be okay. And so, so years tick by and people say I should go get a physical, but it's been a while, right? You know what I'm talking about? There are all these areas that, that maybe we should be a little bit more concerned about that we're not. Our habits. You know, we get so used to our habits, we just say, that's just the way I am. Doesn't matter what they're leading to. Doesn't matter how they affect people. It's just what I do. Yeah, there's areas of our life where maybe we need to be a little bit more concerned about. And so I pose for you a question. The question is this. Is what you care about worth caring about? Is what you're currently concerned about, spending time, energy, and emotion about, is it really worth all of the effort? I was reading a book recently uh, that said, because there are so many concerns in, in our world, what you really need to do is focus. You, you can't care about everything. Uh, it's too much to hold. So what are you going to focus on? And so I've asked the question, is what you care about worth caring about? And, and let me shape for you what's hanging in the balance if we don't get this right. Let me tell you of what I cared about that really wasn't worth it. I have a picture I remember when the new Camaro came out. Do you guys remember that? It's been a few years. And ever since, in 2011, I was doing research, baby, over how I could get 300 horsepower for about $20,000. I was looking at those graduated payments, and I was saying, Ramsey, get out of my head. I don't care about five years of payments. Spending time researching, spending time dreaming. Stick shift, yeah, all right, let's do that. But friends, I spent... So much time that I'm embarrassed to tell you about. But do I drive a Camaro? No! Which means it was an epic waste of time. All right, stop thinking about myself. Have you ever done this? All right, all right, come on, come on, let's be honest. You have to be real. You're with God anyway. I know that in this house, there are people who dreamed about the house they were going to live in, right? And, and you had, you know, kind of hitched your wagon to that house and you thought that was going to be it. And... You're not in that house, are you? I know there are shoppers in the building, and you agonized over that purchase, and you were wondering, and you were back and forth. You went to the store three times, and yet you took it back anyway, right? And what we see, that hanging in the balance, if we don't get this right, is a lot of time, is a lot of energy, is a lot of emotion, if, if, what we, if what we care about isn't worth caring about, we can waste what are limited resources because as another year rolls by, we understand we don't have forever to, to, to live. We, we don't have inexhaustible time. We don't have inexhaustible emotion or money. And so we need to narrow down what we're really going to care about. 
So in the second week, as we're talking about overcoming apathy, here's the goal. We want to stop caring about some things that don't matter and put it in perspective. And, and we want to start caring about things that truly matter and maybe to a higher degree. Is that, does that work today? And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to use God's word to help us uncover. And, and I just love God's word. Because in a world where we don't know where to go and we don't know what to care about, it's like this lamp that when everything is dark, it can guide us to things that truly matter. It's this lamp that, that guides the way of, of what's important. You know, I love being a Christian because God has honored the promise to preserve his word. In fact, if you do any historical study about the Bible's preservation, you see that there are very little errors between the manuscripts, that he's done a wonderful job of preserving exactly what we need to hear. The Almighty God still has a voice of direction in this world telling us what to care about. And so today, um, we've been doing something a little bit new. And um, as we hear the word of God, I'm going to invite you to please stand as we read these words. It's just to honor um, the voice of God as he speaks to us. What we have today is the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you're a church person, you've heard this before. Uh, But we're going to dig in and we're going to pick it apart and we're going to see what truly matters. You ready? Here it is. From Luke. He answered this dialogue between a teacher of the law of how to be saved and Jesus. He answered the teacher of the law, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And... Love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest, a man of God, happened to be walking down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, and Levites work in the house of God, so a godly person, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, and these are the mortal enemies of the Jews. They hate each other. Jews hate Samaritans. Samaritans hate Jews. As he traveled, he came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And that is one of my favorite Greek words of pity. It's the Greek word splanknizomai. Can you say that with me? Here we just give it a shot. Splank nidzomai. And, and what it really means is that you are cut to the core. In, in ancient language, that you feel it in your innards, in your kidneys. That doesn't sound too well. So, so, what, so I freshened that up. He felt it in his heart. His heart went out to him. He was wrecked by it. He was broken by it when he saw it. So he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Easy answer. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, and Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of God. Before you sit down, can you turn to the person next to you and say, care about love, care about love. Care about love. You may be seated. You may be seated. All right. May God bless the preaching of his word. You know what I'm struck by at times? Are the stories of parental neglect. Do you ever hear news items? And let me put it in reference. I'm not talking about neglecting your children by watching them, you know, having them in front of the TV while you make supper. 
If that's neglect, we did that all the time, right? Teletubbies, and that's even a weird show, but it worked, so we did it, right? Do what works. But what I am struck by is the the stories and they're, they're heartbreaking of a child who is severely malnourished because the parents aren't feeding them properly. A child who is very unhealthy, very dirty because the child has not been bathed in months and it's just become a problem. Of the child who is neglected, sometimes abandoned in a car or at home or in a closet, those things strike us. It's, it's really why many people were upset by this image. Do you remember, this is Brittany with her child, right? And, and the child was not in the seatbelt and everyone was outraged. Why? Because you got to protect the child, right? And the reasons we are struck by these stories of parental neglect is, is because if you're a parent or if you consider motherhood or, or fatherhood, you know a mother or a father is just there. They should care about their child, Right? It's so foreign to, to, our, to our minds. A, a mother is supposed to love, protect, feed, bathe. A father is supposed to do the same. They're created to care. So when they don't care, it, it, it's, it's kind of like if I went to a personal trainer and the personal trainer said, you know, whatever you want to eat, it's fine. Donuts, french fries, you know, doesn't matter. No, he's supposed to care about my diet, friends. The Word of God sets up this scenario where there was someone who was supposed to care, actually two individuals who everyone knows they should have cared. Do do you remember this passage? A, A priest happened to be going down the same road, a man of God, and when he saw the man, this is what should happen. He should have stopped, he should have cared, he should have helped. That that's what everyone's expecting. Surely a man of God would do that. But no, he passed on the other side. So to a Levite who works again in the house of God, tribe that that helped in the temple when he came to the place and saw the man he should have cared but he passed by on the other side and so there are things in this world that we should care about and yet people find themselves unconcerned about as we talk about things we should care about If I was smart and if I was leading adults correctly, I would let you determine what you should care about, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you what I think you should care about. Is that okay? I'm going to do it not based on my own authority, but on the authority I think I have that comes from God. Because it's not about me, but I think there's something, if you call yourself a Christian, that you should care about. You ready for it? It was the beginning of our lesson. When the expert of the law knew what life should all be about, and look at these words, understand them once again. He said, and here it was, love the Lord your God. Okay, that's, I can confess I love him. But he didn't, he didn't stay there. He said, with all your heart. Okay, so I I love my wife, but I, I should love Jesus first. I love my kids, but he should come first in my emotions. Okay, Jesus should be the first place in my heart. With all your soul. Okay, well, you know, sometimes to satisfy my my inner longings, I pursue pleasure and I pursue uh, what money can buy and I I pursue romance. but, But God's saying, no, Jesus will satisfy your soul. With all your strength. Well, God, I use my strength at work and I use it at home. Uh, So you're saying I I should use my, my time and my energy to pursue you? Yeah, yeah, with 
Bible study and prayer and, and activity even. With all your mind. So I, I shouldn't just be thinking about just nebulous thoughts, but I, I should be centered on, on who you are and, and whose I am in you and, and this is what love looks like. And the answer is yes. And it's extreme to love him with all that we got in all of those areas that were described. And so I'm going to give you one area of concern today that I believe if you call yourself a Christian, here's the first takeaway. A Christian should be completely committed to pursuing, obeying, following, and loving Christ. And I know this is not new. (laughs) But it's important, friends. It's important. Because we live in a world of kinda. Can, can I describe kinda? Uh, do you know you can go to the gym and kinda work out? You ever been there, right? You get all excited, you're there, you got the clothes on, you're feeling special already. I'm like halfway done, I got the clothes on, right? And, and you can be doing like your 10 reps, and you can be kinda doing 10 reps, can't you? Hey, look at who's around. I wonder where they are. Oh, nice shoes over there. Yeah, yeah. Good song. Good song. And 10. All right. Yeah, I feel good about myself. You can kind of work out, right? You can kind of eat healthy, right? At my chicken breast, at protein pancakes, their muscle milk and egg whites. Oh, yeah, banana. And some fudge. That's great. You can kind of save money. Put a few dollars over there. Spend most of it, but a few over there. Kind of, right? We can kind of do a lot of things. You, you know what you can't kind of do? I have a second cousin who used to be a Marine who now jumps out of planes. And he's one of the guys to bring the American flag into the big football games. Have you ever seen one of those? And what I recognize is you cannot kind of skydive. Right? You either did it or you didn't. It's like a cannonball in a pool. You can't kind of cannonball. You either splashed everyone and made a fool out of yourself in a fun way, or you didn't. And you know where I think God is leading us? This is just the takeaway that we don't always consider because we live in a world of so many priorities and we get unfocused all the time. And what I want to tell you very pointedly today is this. Please don't kind of follow Jesus. He's not asking to be part of your life. He's asking to be your life. There's a radical difference there, friends. And I would shake the next generation and say, it's too important for you not just to make him part. He has to be it. All your mind, all your soul, all your strength, all your heart, it works no other way. And we can't pass on Jesus to the next generation with kind of followers. It just doesn't work. The world will give you way too many other things to think about and care about and spend your time, money, and emotion all about. Don't kind of follow Jesus. Because you know what God himself thinks about this? Let me share again the problem of the church of Laodicea. He said, I know your deeds. You're neither cold nor hot. You're just kind of. I wish you were either one. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You know, you kind of taste like something and it kind of tastes like it's not so good. And then 
Then did you, did you listen to Jesus? I mean, if you're a Christ follower, you hear Jesus talk all the time. And Jesus was something of a celebrity. So people were coming up often and they were saying, Jesus, can I follow you? Can I be part of the team? You're, you're like an A-lister, Jesus. Can I be on the team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And Jesus would then like not get followers. Because he'd say stuff like, you want to follow me? And he was talking to a rich man. Sell everything and then, then come. And they went away sad. And Jesus would say, uh, you know, to the person, I want to follow you, but I got to say goodbye to my parents and I got to bury someone. And he says, no, 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 um, let them bury themselves. Don't, don't even say goodbye uh, because you have to follow me above any other family member. And they went away. And Jesus, he, he put it maybe more succinctly when he, when he said this in Matthew Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life, you got to be willing to lose it. It doesn't work any other way. But guess what? If you're willing to do that, whoever loses their life, if you're willing to forsake everything, forsake everyone, you're going to find what is truly life and what truly matters. And I can then use you to make a difference. Kind of reminds me of what another pastor said. A pastor said, you know, to be saved costs you nothing. But to follow Jesus after salvation, it will cost you something. And sometimes your entire life. A theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he he, he put it this way, and that's where the quote came from. He said, salvation is free. But discipleship, that will cost your life. So it's time for a gut check. And we gather at the house of God, kind of like going to the doctor, to do the hard work here so that we're better out there. Are you following him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your energy? Let's look at it this way. Let's say we hired a third-party consultant and they were going to look at three areas of your life. They were just going to look at how you spent your time, how you spent your money, and how you spent your words. Would that consultant see in 2017, wow, they, they spent a lot of time with Jesus. They spent a lot of time in worship, in devotion. Spent a lot of time. What would they see in your checkbook? Wow, it surely seems they're handling their money differently. That they're dependent on, on God or, or something. That they're returning to God an awful lot of what he gave. Would they hear your words, words and conversation over how much Jesus means to you as you talk to your family, as you talk to your kids, the the words of devotion between you and your spouse? Would they hear words of of prayer? Would they see you taking in the, the words of God? What would that third party consultant say about your time, your money, your words? I'm not trying to beat you up, but I got a point. The teacher of the law, he came to Jesus trying to do something. And he was trying, as it says in verse 29, to justify himself. You see, what he wanted to do is meet with Jesus and then walk away saying, all good. And this story was given to prove one point It was given to a Jew about a Samaritan to prove one point that that teacher of the law and us today have not done it. That we by ourselves are lost. That we need something that only Jesus can provide.
the reaction of the teacher of the law should have been, Jesus, save me. I haven't done it. What can I do? Jesus, I need something. And maybe as we talked about that consultant, you recognized not completely commitment. And so it's a day of repentance to say there are avenues in my life, there are areas that I haven't shown a complete commitment. And that's true of me. And and if you're new to this space and maybe you don't consider yourself a Christian, maybe there is a recognition that that, that you, you, you see some guilt and shame in your life. We call this sin. And so you're invited also to just bring that to the Lord because of the greatness of seeing that we need something is then understanding Jesus has it. It's now rallying around the fact that I'm not good, but I'm forgiven. Can I tell you about the true good Samaritan? The true good Samaritan's name is Jesus. See, he saw us beaten up by guilt and shame and left, not for half dead, but left for dead, uh, punishment in hell someday. And he said, no, it's not going to go down that way. I'm coming in. And I'm going to bind up your wounds. You're going to know you're completely forgiven. And I'm going to pour wine on him. It reminds me of the Lord's Supper where we receive his true body and blood for the reality of forgiveness. And I'm going to take you to the inn. You know what I think the inn is? I think we're in the inn. The church is the inn. You've come to be taken care of, not because of the perfect people that are here, but because of the perfect Savior who is proclaimed here. You're in the inn. And then he pays the price. But it wasn't two denarii. And you know what you can't kind of do? You can't kind of die. Unless you're watching The Princess Bride and Half Dead. And anyway, sorry. But he didn't kind of die. He gave his life completely. Every last bit of energy. Every last drop of blood. Because he loved you. And I know I gave you the reason of what you should care about, that you should care about Christ, but, but, but this informs it even better. See, the, the only reason that we should completely care is because we are completely cared for. He went first, friends. He, he doesn't kind of forgive you. He completely forgives you so that you can walk away today knowing there is not a spot or a stain on me. He doesn't kind of love you. No, that's what other people do. He completely loves you. And he knows everything about you and still does. That's crazy. And so we can respond and say, I will sacrifice then because you have sacrificed for me. I will love because I know I've been loved. And this is how it works. This is why we commit to who Jesus is. But before I go, can I give some practical takeaways, some homework? I told you I was going to give you some homework. So let's talk about that a little bit. Homework before we go. How do we put this commitment into practice? You know, we live in an age of comfortability. Isn't that true? Uh, How many Prime members do I have? Amazon Prime. Prime has rocked my world. I was going to Aldi the other day, and I was thinking of windshield wipers I needed at Walmart. And I'm saying, no, 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 I got Prime. I don't need to spend an hour going to Walmart looking in the thing and I can spend 15 minutes, click Walmart, my car, it, it's good and two days later, my windshield wipers came, right? Prime is amazing. I have Alexa. Anyone else have Alexa? So now I just say, Alexa, order windshield wipers. Da-da-dum. 
right? Or think of the Google age we live in. Uh, you know, I got to talk to kids here. When I was young, it was awful. We, we had these things called books. If you wanted to know history, you needed to go to something called an encyclopedia. They were really hard, and you had to use the Dewey Decimal System to go and find the Encyclopedia Britannica, because they were the only ones who made encyclopedias, I guess, and they would tell you how history happened and what had happened. And you know what used to happen before Google? Conversations would end with an impasse. They would. You remember these? Like, you would talk about who the 34th president was, and, you know, unless you had a brainiac who remembered what they learned 20 years ago, people would, I guess we don't know, Right? Because we don't have an encyclopedia, right? But now I was with my parents and they wanted to know uh, how long does it take to make a cruise ship? That's, that's you know, trivial, right? And all they do is they, they, they talk into their phone, how long does it take? And it, within seconds, do you know it takes two years? Two years. They're mostly made in Europe, by the way. And if you have a lesser cruise ship, it takes one year. But this is the type of comfortability we're used to. Do you know how many hours I spent in my Latin dictionary? Oh my goodness, if I could have just asked Siri, that would have been amazing. But comfortability is ramping up all of the time in cars, at home, in how we do work, right? Comfortability, everything for comfortability. But here's the problem. If you want to completely follow Christ with everything... It ain't going to be comfortable. And so I need to tell you, would you embrace the discomfort of following Christ? Embrace it. Set your expectations. This ain't going to be easy. This is no walk in the park. This isn't Amazon Prime. No, to do this right will take effort. Look at the Good Samaritan. Do you think it was convenient for him to pause everything he was doing? And we don't know if he was on an important business trip. We don't know. But he stopped... And we don't know if he was a rich man. It seems like he's generous, but we don't know if he was rich. It cost him something. It cost him his oil, his wine. He had to give two denarii. We don't know if that was the only two denarii he had. You know, I don't know if you've been following Christ for a while. I have for a little bit. By the grace of God, I've been following quite a bit. And I love to serve God. And I really do because he served me. But can I tell you something about serving God? It's exhausting. It's emotional. It's inconvenient. It costs time and resources and use of my talent. Oh my goodness. This is not binging Netflix shows. No, 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 no. Can I give you another story? So I love to, to, to share Jesus with others. And I was on a plane recently and it was uncomfortable because I was trying to share my faith with this gal named Unfei. Unfei. She's from Miami. Uh, her parents were from China. And uh, I get into uh, the, the talking about church and God. And, and I say, you know, do you have a church home? And that's usually my springboard. And she says, well, I grew up with cultural Buddhism. Okay, very good. And, and uh, she was a little reluctant. So I just, you know, and then I launch in, you know, I'm a pastor. And I don't ask her if she wants to hear the next part. I just say, do you want to know I'm happy to be a pastor? And it's, it's a question with, I'm going to go anyway. So, so I go on and, and, I, and I say things like, you know, I think we all deal with guilt and shame. And we all wrestle with this idea if we're good enough. But what I love as a pastor is just to know none of us are good, but we're forgiven. And it changes everything. We're forgiven because of Jesus who died in our place. And, and so we can live with peace and, and, and no shame and be free. 
And, he, and here's what I would love to tell you. I would love to tell you that she was just waiting on my every word. Please tell me more. Please, please. But she was reluctant. And she was being socially polite. I would love to tell you it was the perfect environment to share the faith. But no, right when I was getting into the gospel, the flight attendant, and here's how the seatbelt works. Thank you. I'm sharing the gospel. And the kid in the kitty corner aisle starts crying. All the while, I have an reluctant ear. ear. Why do I do it? Because if God can use me to move the needle just a little bit in her life, to hear a message maybe she never heard, because I don't want anything from her. I just want everything for her through Jesus Christ. If he can move the needle, then I'm going to embrace that discomfort. Maybe today is about going home and having uncomfortable conversations over areas of your life that you need to change to completely commit. It's always good to refocus that. If you refocus your budget and your eating, why aren't you doing that with your soul? And I would say embrace it, friends. Embrace what you need to change so that he becomes not a part of your life, but all of your life. I'm not done yet. One other thing I need to warn you about as a practical advice is that it could get discouraging. And the reason it could get discouraging is because the devil's lie is that what you do doesn't make a difference. That if you commit today to, to following Jesus, it won't change anything. But, but I need to tell you, don't believe it. Don't believe it because I've seen generation households change because one person of the family said, no, we're following Jesus. And I've seen the impact it can make just when a Christian walks out with joy, peace, kindness, and graciousness. It might just be the matter of a smile that you give someone this week. Please don't underestimate the impact you can make if you dig in and say Jesus is worth it and the cause is worth it. But do take inventory. So I have in your notes areas that you care about. And I asked, is what you care about worth caring about? And I wanted to know, as you came in today, what are some of the things that you care about? And use the consultant test. Where, where are you spending your time, your money, your words? What are those things that, that you know you already care about? Think about it. Talk to your family about it. But then, what should you care about? And don't let your emotions win. Don't let the world we live in win. Let the Spirit of God working through His Word guide you to what you should care about. And then go do it. What I invite you to, it's a broad category, is, is to care about what God cares about. Hillsong said, break my heart for what breaks yours. Let me have splangnidzomai over what gives you splangnidzomai. And here's what you might find. In this lesson, you might find that love for God is always a love for a neighbor. And you might find, I have no right to not love that family member. I have no right to not love that segment of people who get on my nerves. I have no right to do that. I'm going to love them. But you might find so much else. You might find, I, I now care about those who are in need. I now care about the lost being found. I, I now care about the things of God Humbly submit to care about what God cares about. Let him break your heart.
and direct you. Don't be lukewarm. Don't kind of follow Jesus. Let's commit to him. And now let me pray for you. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, there is no one here who wants to waste their life or their time on unworthy causes. We know Jesus didn't waste his life. No, he gave up his life out of love for us. And out of love for you, help us to do the same. Help us to be willing to embrace discomfort and give of ourselves. Help us to be like the Samaritan you spoke of, willing to heal, not harm, willing to pay the cost for the others in need. Thank you for loving us completely. For all the broken in the building, bind again their wounds. Heal them. And after healing them, set them free for work in your name. In Jesus' name, amen.